off the ball. You're not as interested in things that aren't at top, top level. But tell me this wouldn't be amazing. Last day of the season and nine teams could go down. Subscribe now to the OTB Football Podcast stream wherever you get your podcasts and download the OTB Sports app. OTB GAA. The Football Pod on Off The Ball in partnership with AIB. Proud sponsors of the Football Hurling and Camogie All-Ireland Club Championships. Hashtag the toughest. Hello there and you're very welcome along to episode 11 of the Football Pod. It's still bright outside, it's Sunday evening when we're recording. There's a lot to get into today. There is the madness, there is the action, and then there's the finals, which we will get to in due course. This week the podcast is brought to you by myself, Tommy. We've got Jimmy in the corner. And we've got Cammy in the other corner. Chris Kamara, <laughs> Paddy Andrews, come on in. I don't know, Jeff. <laughs> is he back? Unbelievable. I was there texting Joe Malloy. Ask Paddy, is Cluxon back? I was texting Paddy. Paddy's phone, the WhatsApp wasn't going through, whatever about the, the, the Wi Fi in Pro Park. And next thing, Joe Malloy breaks to you live on air, Paddy. You didn't believe it, did you? No, I thought it was being. And then I was thinking, like, Joe's not going to wind me up live on air, is he? It was the one time uh, for any listeners, if you're ever in the press box in Crow Park, there's the. Uh, you're hooked up out in the seats, Tommy, aren't you? Like, uh, Oh, yeah, yeah. And for some reason that wasn't working, uh, the live feed, the bat phone into the off the ball studio. So I had to do it on my mobile phone and she can't hear a thing out in the stand. The brutal entrance music that Crow Park puts out when teams are running out onto the pits. So I said, right, I'll go inside and, uh, and I'll talk to Joe live on the phone. So I didn't see anything. The lads, the team coming out onto the pitch or anything and Joe, Joe said it to me and I was, as I'm sure everyone was, completely shocked. <laughs> Like there hasn't been a whisper of this, not a peep. Um, after how? I don't know, two and a half years. Since are you Russian? Are you like the Russian state? Like, how is this stuff not getting out? It's a surprising one because, it, like, obviously there was big news before Christmas with McCaffrey and Mannion coming back, and there was probably, a, I suppose, that's outside the season, so it's inevitable. Maybe there's there's murmurs that these guys were coming back, so we expected that. But for Clucko, <laughs> I mean, um. I think it's brilliant news for Dublin uh, and the excitement around the stadium for what was otherwise a pretty dull <laughs> National League game. Um, you, you just got the sense he was, it was trending in number one in Ireland as well. It's, it's massive news because it's just, he's an enigmatic character, isn't he, T? Like he's never, he's never engaged with the media, ever. Um, and even the way he finished up to just leave. <laughs> not a peep, not a, not a word, no statement, anything. The most emotion he's probably ever shown is giving Jason McAteer a puck in the jaw. Yeah, many, many moons ago. But um, to finish like two and a half years ago and everyone assumed like he's 41 now that that would be the end. Yeah. Six, seven time All-Ireland winning captain. One of the best players definitely of Dublin in the history GAA, I feel. For him to come back just out of nowhere, it's what a story. It's incredible. The, the atmosphere around the stadium and, and the media, the press box as well was incredible. Um, but it is a shock, total, total shock. Before I get the view from the kingdom and James O'Donoghue, were you in, were you back in the press box when the PA announced to the stadium that Stephen Cluxton was added to the bench alongside Paul Mannion and Paddy Smith? Oh, no, I missed that. I was on right. 20 minutes with Joe. Two of us were kind of stumped for words. It must be big news if neither of us can come up with something. So uh, I missed I, that. I, I, I thought you had a great line. I thought you had a great line. I listened back to it that... Uh, 
some of the Dublin fans who hear this now might make it into the stadium if they leave their houses now. Like, <laughs> it's it was one of those moments. Like, what on earth is going on? It was, but uh, to be fair, Mannion wasn't named in the official program either. So, so for him to come back, and there was a big roar, obviously, when he came on. Like, there was about, I think there was just under 20,000 in Croker today. Look, it wasn't there. We we spoke about this last week. We didn't expect it to be a great game. It wasn't. <laughs> um, but this, the story that overshadowed all of that, like for the Dublin fans, you'd have been happy just to see Mannion back out for the first time in three years and come on and kick a score. But Cluxon coming back is it's the story of the weekend. I feel. Yeah. Can I can I ask you why? Like why why would he come back? Why would they want him back? Why would you want him back? Yeah, he's forty one. It's two and a half years after he's retired. He's still one of the best players that's ever played GAA. You don't think Stephen Cluxton? Okay, even if he's not at his absolute peak of ten years ago. You do you not think he would add something positive to that dress room? I don't doubt that. Well, I just I guess I'm wondering what's driving. Not answer the question. Like you try and put a negative spin on this. I don't see how you could put a negative spin on this. There is there is a negative spin to be put. Well, right, right here we go, Jimmy. What? It's circle the wagons live from Killarney. Smells of desperation. First of all, well, like, it's one of your best players. Do you not do think? Bring them back? No. Yeah. When they're not going great, they already have two goalies, two good goalies, in fairness to them. Yeah, they have. injured, fair enough, but he'll be back. They're bringing back a 41-year-old. You're thinking, where are the leaders in that dressing room to take that on in the last two and a half years rather than have to revert back? Like, I know they brought back many, they brought back McCaffrey, brilliant additions and everything. But now to go back to Cluxton as well, it's like you're kind of almost flogging a dead horse rather than kind of moving on with everything. You know they could have they could have gone and and got new leaders to take that group forward, but to go back, I think it does smell a bit of desperation, in my opinion. Now, not to say that he's not going to be, he could walk straight into the goals and play, but the fact that they've had to go back for him, oh, is, I, I, isn't a, isn't a great sign. Should like, I agree with you? If you're sit down with Desi Farrell and say the ideal thing is as that the Jim Gavin team kind of came to the end, that yeah, the, of course, move on, and we've loads, we've. 30 young players coming up that they can carry on and, and win all Ireland. That's the ideal scenario. But the reality is that probably hasn't happened. So if you're, Jimmy, you put yourself in Desi Farrell's shoes and Stephen Cluxton makes himself available for selection again, I, I, I would be amazed if any manager in the country turned around and says, no, thanks. Mm-hmm. Yes. But I, I, I understand that it's 41. It, it, that's an incredible ace to be playing at, but it's playing in goal. So it's very different from a McCaffrey or a Mannion and that side of things. But yeah, like the ideal scenario for Dublin is that one Jim Gavin's team came to the end and there was 20 lads ready to just step in and carry the torch on. And that the reality is that hasn't happened. You've seen that over the last couple of years. More and more of that team has stepped away and younger guys are finding it difficult to make that step up and win all Ireland. So if someone like Stephen becomes available again, and I'm not... I'm not entirely certain that he's guaranteed that he's going to be number one. I thought David Hanlon was excellent again today. What was I'm sure a difficult, nice. difficult situation for a young fella to be in. But to have <laughs> some, someone like Cluxton around the dressing room alone in terms of what he brings to that, particularly after losing, like Johnny Cooper would have been a similar character and Dublin lost that obviously over, over the, the off-season. Yes. So to have Cluxton back in, whether he plays or not, I look. I would imagine he probably will. The shape he keeps himself in, the skill set he has is so important in, in, in today's game. And they're thinking you get down to the, the nitty gritty in the All-Ireland quarterfinal, semi-final stage and there's a big press on kickouts. There's 12 guys in their half. 
it's very, even if you're technically good, having the experience of dealing with that and the mentality to deal with that, the reality is, if you're David O'Hanlon, he just hasn't been exposed to that yet. So to have someone like Cluxton who's done it for two decades, I think it is, I struggle to see it being a negative. But I, I well, that's, if that's the road that the people are going down, that's fine. But I would say for any county, any coach to have the opportunity to bring someone like that with his experience and his personality into the team, I think every single one of them would have done the same thing. But I do think it's it's easy to, for me to sit in the fence and that's kind of where I am on it. It's either going to be an absolute masterstroke or it's just not going to work. And I suppose the only things we've had to look at in, in similarities to this, they've been different because it's like Mike McCarthy coming back for Kerry, maybe in 09. We had Stephen O'Neill on who retired in the January and as he said, got himself riding the bike and three weeks before in Ireland is brought back by Mickey Hart. In the same year, wasn't Paul Galvin brought back out of the blue? So it would gold, OT. That is the different the thing. Yeah. Outfield, yeah, I think it's a massive ask. A massive ask. But it's like in goal, it's a unique position. So you think you're not relying on your athleticism, it's your technical expertise. Like the, the, the most important thing in goalkeeping in modern GA is kickouts. Yeah. Being able to retain possession off kickouts, deal with the opposition press. Because it's such, you see, it's loud today. Every team who's worked or salt has a kick-out strategy. It's so important in the game. And that is, to be honest, that approach is because of someone like Stephen Clux. <laughs> he, he was central to what our team was based around for, for a decade of success and changed the face of, of GAA. There's no two ways about it. So it's, it is different from those guys coming back where they're playing if you're trying to play wing back or full yes. This that, that's we haven't seen anything like this. Would like and look, time will tell. Will it be a success? Will he be the absolute icon that he has been and, and fire Dublin to win the All Ireland again? We don't know yet. Um, and that's what I'm not. And we'll have to wait and see. Will is he guaranteed to play? Because he has been away for a long time. But even if he doesn't, even if he doesn't, what he brings to that camp uh, for the next couple of months through the championship is it's massive. Yeah. What what I will say is obviously the respect that everyone has for Cluxton is insane. He's the best goalie by a mile ever. Mm. And obviously an unbelievable leader in that camp going back as well. But it says a lot about Dublin that they had to go back from. I think that's my point on it, that they've had to actually go back and and get him back. That kind of just says, as I said, that, that they haven't moved on. I and the second part of, the second part of it is though, is that fair enough you're coming back at the start of the season and you're mucking in from the start, but to be kind of coming back in at the end of the league and saying, right, lads, I'm back. <laughs> you know, I just wonder how that's going down with the whole dressing room. Like you'd welcome him back, obviously, but in the back of your head, you're kind of going like, you know, we might've needed you at the start of the season or we would have had you back then. Yeah. Now, look, that's the, um, without a doubt, I'm sure these conversations would have been going on from Desi Farrell's point of view as well, because it, the reality is it probably didn't end that well the, the way it was handled initially two years ago where Stephen just kind of went off the scene and that's as his his nature he wasn't going to make a big song and dance about it but there was that uncertainty around the camp and that was the year Dublin surrendered their All-Ireland they, mm-hmm. they lose to Mayo later that summer so without a doubt the conversation this is not similar to what, with Jack McCaffrey and Paul Mannion coming back this is not just a the last week or two, you're going, right, I might come back. I'm, without a doubt, these conversations would have been going on in the background between Stephen, between Desi, the coaches, and I'm sure some of the senior players in that team as well. Um, because it is a big decision. And you've seen 
you've seen the reaction to it today. It, this is big news. Uh, oh, yeah. Just, just the usual try and maybe um, underplay this, but it is massive news. So yeah, I understand, Jimmy, that, that coming back a couple of weeks for a championship, but I just think when you weigh this up from Stephen's point of view, that he feels he could contribute to the team, from Desi Farrell's point of view, to kind of say, having someone like him come back into the dressing room. Um, and it's just like, there's a lot of, even looking through the Dublin bench today, there's a lot of young players there. That, that haven't been exposed. They weren't part of Jim Gammon's team of winning all Ireland and things like that. And they're inexperienced. And whether they have the quality to step up right now into the Dublin team, the reality is they probably don't. And that's why these decisions to bring back a, a Mannion and McCaffrey and Cluxton, because we've said over the last two years, Dublin's depth wasn't probably good enough. They weren't getting that positive impact off the bench. So, okay, in most scenarios, most counties will have to just bide their time and wait for these younger guys to, to work their way up and suffer those two or three or maybe four or five years of transition. Whereas Dublin have been fortunate enough that they've, they've got three guys in McCaffrey, Mannion and Cluxton who are generational players that have decided that, okay, we've been away from it. We want to come back. We have that hunger again. And they've worked that out with Desi Farrell to bring them back. So is it a risk? I don't see it being a big risk because these guys are such of such high quality. We've already seen it with McCaffrey's input here today. He's picked up a couple of knocks and Mannion even today just coming on and just clipping a score from 40, 50 yards something like that. They're weapons in Dublin's locker. So I agree with you that the ideal scenario, of course, is those guys retire and 20 new lads come through. But the reality is that hasn't happened. So, um, But if, if Dublin have the option of bringing these guys in, you, you have to go with it. You have well, to bring it. It's 19 All-Ireland medals that have walked back into the dressing room there from the lads you mentioned. I think, Paddy, what you mentioned there, like there was an element of mystery and there was like this enigma. Why did Cluxton go? Is he coming back? Is he really gone? Mm. Was there a fallout? We didn't know. There was no statement about it. There was no real clarification. Mm. And it's interesting, listening to Desi Farrell speak to the press after the game today, he said, he's never been too far away and we've been delighted to have him back in the mix. He's Dublin true and true. He's always said that he's willing to help out if the need arose and the need has arose. We're delighted to have him in the mix. So when you say there that he's, he's never been too far away from the panel, Farrell is saying a similar, like obviously conversations have been going on the whole time. I don't know if that's, if that's what they're saying. Uh, I, if Stephen walks away in what was it probably May 21 I thought it was April but maybe it was May yeah maybe pre just before championship anyway in 2021 he played two decades with Dublin yeah you know makes his debut in 2001 I think Tommy Lyons is it Tommy Tommy Carr Tommy Carr is the Dublin coach to give Stephen Cluxton his <laughs> debut do you know what I mean like this is he's played nearly longer than the age of us do you know what I mean so when he steps steps away having won made a captain Dublin to win seven all Ireland. He doesn't owe anyone anything. I always say this. So you just think at his age, with the, the time he's put into it, that that's enough. He stepped away and that's it. And, and I understand that if there's no big statement, that it may seem like, oh, there must have been a falling out or that that's not, that the clock has just has never been like that. Yeah. Never going to come out and make a big statement about it. He just wanted to put his feet up for the time being. He, he'd done 20 years with Dublin. Genuinely, that was it. And it's amazing. Yeah. If, if because there's no coverage about it, there's no statements around it, people assume, and that's fair enough that there must have been some sort of scandal around in the background. There wasn't. It was just a case of, I've done 20 years, I don't want to do this anymore. 
you know what? Do you know what it proves as well, Paddy? Is how unbelievable your your team and your generation was. Because even during that time, it was like split Dublin in two and and they're getting to be too powerful. They have 500 players who could play. Do you know, that was the narrative. Whereas it's the best fellas driving it all the time, isn't it? Like it's the top fellas who are just constantly taking those standards up a notch, up a notch. And like we when they said, go, it's an awful hit to, to a panel to see those fellas go. We, we always said it, James. I mean, that period of success that we had was a perfect storm of two or three different things. We had fellas like Cluxton and Bernard Brogan and Paul Flynn and these guys, generational players in their own right and had a mentality about them as well. And then you had this young crop coming through of Fenton and McCaffrey, like their under-21 team was like Fenton, McCaffrey, Small, Kenny, Mannion, all on the same team. Like that is not normal. That is a freak group to come through. And they were supplementing the likes of Cluxton and Connolly and these guys. And then we had Jim Gavin as a coach who was the ideal leader to manage against all complacency to ensure everything is just absolutely by the book that that allowed for consistent success. And that was just a period of seven or eight years where we, we knew it was nothing about the narrative around uh, Dublin, like I say, you have too many players or it's funding and all that type of stuff. All of those things, I, I, I don't think that did justice to what that group of players had. And we knew that when this kind of comes to the end, Dublin would suffer like they have in the last couple of years, where they are come well within the pack now. And it, and it wasn't sustainable because you look through the underage teams, there's not another group of Mannion, McCaffrey, Kilkenny all coming through at once. That was just, it was a freak time and we managed to make the most of it in that period. And those type of arguments around Dublin were, were proven to be a bit, it was very much flavour of the month at the time. Whereas you've seen in the last two years, Dublin have struggled to, to fill that gap with the players that have walked away, but to be able to go back and get three lads off the shelf like like they've done in the last six months. I mean, what a massive plus for Dublin going into yeah. the next three or four months. The, the only the only downside I see as well is it's brought kind of attention to that goalkeeping position. No, like it's brought attention to the two goalies who are already there. Yeah, it is. And it is, definitely. It's brought attention to Cluxton if he's inside the goals because when he puts that ball down the tee, Everyone is going to be like, oh, oh do you know, how, how was his kicking? He was always like that, that Jimmy. Anyway. It was. It was. Like, oh, it was yeah. He goes up and he, he's kicking a free. Anytime we play he's G lads, he's going to get some cheer if he misses it. I know he's always been under pressure, but it's going to test. It's going to test. No, his mentality is obviously absolutely flawed. It was a couple of years ago, but it's going to be tested again if he's inside and goes. I, I think the challenge is for like for the young David O'Hanlon, who's come in in his first season playing, and he's been unbelievably successful I thought throughout this league campaign yeah, he's, he's, been good. Yeah, he's been good kickouts have been excellent he's had a couple of massive saves he's done a big save today as well um, thinking of the Brian Hurley save in Porky Cueve that's, that's a difficult situation for a young goalkeeper to be in now that you're kind of getting your chance and then you turn around you arrive to train him whenever it was last week or the week before <laughs> and Cluckhouse sitting there in the corner like <laughs> <laughs> in his seat <laughs> uh, yeah, like, bag on the ground then it sits into uh, I go for a few points with Cluck on. I'm nervous meeting him, just like you're on edge around him because of who he is. Like, <laughs> um, but for him himself, I don't think that's going to have an impact on him. That uh, yeah. that pressure, that side of things. That's like I say, he's dealt with that for a long, long time. Uh, and that, that's the point I make him with, with kickouts in particular. All Ireland final, semi final, these games, there is, and Kerry have 12 lads up inside the, the 45. <laughs> 
trying to win a state. Like, Klokov has been there and he's done that. That is, and that's very, you could be technically brilliant, but dealing with that type of pressure, you only get that from experience. That's the reality of it. You, you can't fake that. You can't, you can do all that to train in the world for it to, to actually come through that on the pitch on the biggest days. That's the advantage Dublin have there. Um, so, look, look I, I think if you're the other counties, you would rather he wasn't back. I would feel. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's that's a fair way of putting it. I think, I think, yeah. Although I was in the press box in Sligo Leitrim today and similar to the way it is in the pod here, the press box was split. Half the people were like, that's amazing. And half the people were like, why are they bringing him back? Do you know? So it's, uh, I'd say that narrative could be there and it's probably going to be there until we I'm just refreshing my phone here flat out to see if Desi wants me back as well. But I don't <laughs> That's what I was wondering. Nothing <laughs> yet. So I, I know. In, in the bike school, the bike ski robe. Clucko must have been doing a bit more than that over the last two years. Yeah, he must have been. Yeah. In 2013, there was a big thing about Kerry being kind of in transition, or you know, because we a lot of fellas retired. And was we there any talk? We were struggling. We was were there struggling. any talk of bringing uh, Morris Fitzgerald back in 2012? <laughs> but I'm just thinking, like, we weren't going great. But if Amy Fitzmaurice had had landed someone else back, and you know, say just me example, if I had to step out, I'd be fairly put out by it as well. You know, like it would definitely have affected, say, my relationship with the manager if if I was said, look, we're going to bring this fella back after he retiring, and you step out. And it would have been a serious knock to the confidence levels of wherever that player is as well. Mm. So there, there, there are definitely pros, but there are definitely cons to it as well. I think that's fair. I, th- I think it is. Yeah, it's fascinating. We better talk about the football, lads. <laughs> On the football, it wasn't great. <laughs> we were, uh, no, we, we, no we let's leave. Loud. We spoke no. loud last week. And I was we, excited to go in to see them. And it wasn't a great, it wasn't a great showing today in Crow Park, I have to say. I think the action was elsewhere in the other divisions team. Yeah, we're going to talk about the finals in the end. So we'll come back to the Dublin Loud game in the last part of the pod. I did say that we'll talk about the madness of today in this section. So we've covered Cluxton. Probably got to go to Monaghan next, lads. For the fifth lads. for the fifth time in 10 years, they've kept themselves in Division 1 on the final day of the season. We didn't give them too much of a chance last week. We, we thought that known. even the second string Mayo team would beat them and they've done it, Paddy. We should have known. And Conor McManus, 1-7. There Manzi. you go. Bring all the old guys back. <laughs> Phenomenal. He, the celebration after the penalty, he gave an old finger wag. Wouldn't you, Jimmy? Wouldn't you? 1-7. <laughs> um, for Monaghan, I mean, that is... Like we, I certainly said from day one, we felt Donegal and Monaghan were consigned to Division Two, and it looked that way for large parts of this league. Donegal couldn't get a gallop after their opening day win against Kerry, and like I've watched Monaghan a couple of times, particularly even the game against Kerry and Killarney, and even last week against Tyrone. They're just thinking they, they just didn't have the quality to stay in Division One, particularly up front. And we were speaking last week. They get a point from play last week from Kieran Duffy. Jack McCarran, Colin McCarthy well tied up and they're thinking this is particularly without McManus. Monaghan just are not going to score enough. And sure enough, seven days later, they go to the informed team in the country, albeit, okay, it's a slightly changed Mayo side, but they go to Casabar for McManus to come out and do what he's done. And for Vinnie Corrie, what an incredible, what an incredible result for them. 
And for Monaghan, like I say, we should know better to stay in Division 1 on the last day again. And it's our ma. It's our ma who are gone on the back of it. So fair play to Monaghan. Fair play to Conor McManus. Jesus Christ. The photos, the photos afterwards of Vinnie Corrigan, yeah. and it's a young, it's it's a young management team, and it's a young group of players in general there. So that is just unbelievable for that county again. Like their playing population compared to the others, what they're doing to maximize their potential is unbelievable. So savage, James, can I turn well, to you on our map? Debt taxes and man to play Division One, wasn't yeah. it? <laughs> James, <laughs> Shane Hannon on OTBM has turned or has branded them the cockroaches of Division One. I think that's a fair, <laughs> fair moniker. Can't get rid of them. James, our ma have had a funny week. They've now ended up relegated. The threat, the danger was always there. They needed a win to keep it in their own hands. They failed to beat Tyrone today. They lost by two points, 16 to 18 in Healy Park. Monaghan obviously won by six, two fourteen to 14 against Mayo. Uh, Donegal, after a difficult week, under Aidan O'Rourke. Uh, lost by 21 points to 9 there's a few interesting bits coming out of that game the loss in the hide so we might come back to that and we'll mention Galway Kerry later when we get to the league final preview they bet Kerry by 2 points but Armagh James mm-hmm. are now in Division 2 that is not progress for Kieran McGinney's side yeah they'd be disappointed I think even in our maybe preview for the National League we were saying we nearly tipped Armagh to, to be up the top end of it um, if they continued on the, the kind of curve they were going like, is it the end of the world in terms of their season? It's not. I think that they'll. I think that they'll be able to park it, and still hit championship well if they have a good training block for next year, as well. I think they'll be fine. I think they'll be able to play maybe a more expressive brand of football in Division Two, and maybe reignite some of the stuff that they struggled to get this year. Um, but no doubt it's disappointing for them. I, don't, I think that they would have they would have been hoping to kick on and maybe make a league final. And it even looked that way midway through the league that they could have dug out a few results and pushed on yeah. to get yeah. the final. Um, obviously, we heard the rumours about, about Reen O'Neill having a fallout. There's probably, there's a few WhatsApps going around as per, but which are probably... Rubbish. Yeah, WhatsApp rumours, Jimmy. Canteen WhatsApp group. These one took, like these took the biscuit. I think it started with, well, boys, Damien here. And this allowed a litany, a litany, like he even named himself, like a litany of rumours from that week. Now, what transpired was Rian O'Neill being ruled out on Wednesday with a quad injury and then our man naming him to start and putting out a graphic with Rian O'Neill as the main man to start that only fueled the rumours going into yeah. Sunday. But Geezer spoke to Ashley O'Reilly about it afterwards and said there's been no fallout, even though he had a black eye, they hadn't had a fight. And hmm. that Rian O'Neill's quad injury isn't as bad as first feared and they're hoping he'll be back for the Antrim game. Yeah, I think you're better off nearly, nearly having an interview like that. Just come out and say exactly what it is and quash it. Because the longer you leave it, the worse the rumors get. The more WhatsApps go around. But Reno Neil, if he's now the rumor again, it's all rumors we're hearing, but that it was going to be five or six weeks. Like that is a long spell out. That that takes you from from peak fitness down to down to a fairly low level of sharpness if you're if you're having that injury this time of year. So I hope for Armagh's sake it's not as bad as that and they get him back quickly um, because they're going to need him. It's going to take a serious effort to park that and get the the form and the and the kind of the fun back in training to be able to plow on because they'll they'll definitely take a knock from from going down. I actually think that was worse news than being relegated today for Armagh's yeah. season if if Reed O'Neill is out for six weeks. You would expect that you remember, like, okay, whatever about being relegated from Division One, that that is a big blow to our man's momentum that they're trying to build up. Park that for one second. 
the Ulster Championship would have been a massive goal for that Armagh team, for Kieran McGeady. They'd never made a dent on that Ulster Championship under McGeady. And he's been there, how long is he there, T? Come on. Ten years. He's the second years. longest serving manager in the game. Ten, ten, years. Years. ten, ten seasons. They have never ten seasons. Nine seasons, maybe. Within an arse's roar of winning an Ulster Championship. For, for county like Armagh is incredible. And you look at last season, a lot of talk about them, and they go out and underperform against Donegal in the first round and get knocked out again. They re, re-energise, re-boost their season through the qualifiers and nearly take out Galway. So you think Ulster Championship is an absolute bullseye on that for Armagh. And look at them. Like they play Antrim in the first round in a couple of weeks' time. Reno Neal probably missed that. But if it is a case severe that's six, seven, eight week, the winners of that play Cavan. And you're thinking for Armagh, where they're at with their game plan and the momentum that they've lost, it's been a really poor end to the league for them. On top of that, take out Reno Neal, who is like we felt they've struggled for for scores without his input. That would be a massive blow to our mass season. Um, and there's no that the last seven days has not been good for them. To, to lose that tight game against Galway, to be dragged into a relegation scrap kind of out of nowhere, then to lose their best player for, look, we don't know exactly, but I think McGinney might be ambitious to have him back in a couple of weeks' time. And then to be relegated today, that is, that's been a bad couple of events for Armagh over the last week. I actually heard a classic that it wasn't a quad injury. It was that he fell off a quad bike. <laughs> I swear to God. You need to start circling these WhatsApp surroundings. <laughs> the WhatsApp corner on the football padre. Oh, uh, we could easily, we could easily have one. We'd be holding in front of the courts, though. I think if we brought that one on. So that's our mad down. Uh, Division two. Obviously, Paddy, you were at Dublin Loud. We mentioned that we will get into that a little later when we talk about Derry. Um, I'm uh, Claire Limerick was a dead rubber. Claire won that one. Cork and Derry drew 114 apiece. Claire bet Mead in the race to avoid sixth place, 13 points to eight. Very, very sorry end to the league campaign for Mead. It is not looking good. And they are in a very precarious position um, heading into the Leinster Championship. The confidence is down. Donald Kogan, and this, I'm not going to say it's a WhatsApp rumor, but the word is Donald Kogan's hamstring injury that he suffered against the Dubs is worse than initially feared. And he could be a doubt for their Leinster quarter final. So it's not looking good to me. Playing the quarters, T. Offaly or Longford? Okay, you'd still fancy them. Mm, Offaly got a bad beating today now off down. And you've got Loud and Westmead on the other side. Loud and Westmead would be a good game. It would be a very good game, yeah. I feel. Loud I don't West think Mead it's the point. end of the world for me to go into that Talton. I think that they need they need to start somewhere. I think it's only it's only prolonged if they go into into the All Ireland. They'll they'll probably lose definitely two of their games in the group if they were to get there. I nearly I think they're better off nearly in the Talton I Cup. I think they'd struggle in, in the All Ireland series, yeah. yeah. Based on what we've seen, the initial bounce they got, if, if like if you were made, if you drew made in the All Ireland series a lot of the teams would be reasonably happy with that, I feel. Yeah. I have to say, I agree with Boaty on that, but I do have a, 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 a nagging worry at the back of my mind that if me go into the Talton Cup, that they might get away with the style of play that they seem to be trying to play. And I don't know if that's a good thing. Like, it's surprising they'll the still manner. be in Division 2. So they can still have a high, a relatively high level of opposition next year in the league. It's not like they're dropping the divisions yeah. as well. Go into Talton Cup, find a bit of form, get experience into those spells in championship matches, get to a final. You know, get back into Crow Park in a big match. 
and then you've a, you've a proper starting point to go at it again next year. Whereas I think it's only prolonging the pain really for if they go into a learn series. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so maybe that'd be the last mention of me now for a little while. But uh, Dublin have joined Derry in Division One as we would have expected from the start of the year. They got there eventually, got over loud today in Crow Park. Uh, in Division 3, Fermanagh got the job done. They bet Cavan, so they ended up top in Division 3. What a story Fermanagh have been this year. 114-29 win in Breffney Park. Westmead bet Tipperary in a game that didn't matter anymore. Longford bet Antrim in a game that no longer mattered. And Down hammered Offaly. Offaly were in with a shout if Fermanagh failed to win, but Down got that win, but they couldn't go up today. I happened to be in Carrick and Shannon today for an absolute epic um, four teams could have gone up uh, I was at the Leitrim Sligo game it was a funny one going into it if Sligo won it meant that Wicklow were more than likely going to go up and if Leitrim won it meant that Leash were going to go up so Leash were away in London and they got the job done fairly remarkable scoreline 6-6 to 2-8 against London uh, so they were racking up the goals early doors I think at one stage it was 4-1 to, to 1-5 maybe but uh, Leash got the, the, the job done Wicklow just about got the job done against Waterford 2-8 to 8 points and with about 15 minutes to go in Park Sean McDermott, Sligo were eight points up. It felt like a dead duck. Leitrim had started well, but Sligo took over after that. Pat Splan was exceptional. I've heard he's been quite hot and cold throughout the league this year, but he was burning through the middle of the pitch. Scored one, two or three. Paddy O'Connor was exceptional at full forward. Niall Murphy was keeping it ticking over. Luke Towie, who's been exposed to the AFL, and Sean Carabine were really strong for Sligo as well. They were looking really good. And with 15 minutes to go, Leitrim came back. Two minutes left. Leitrim took the lead for the first time since the sixth minute. Tom Pryor kicked them in front. And at that time, Sligo just needed a draw. They got the equalising score. And it all hinged really on the next attack. Five minutes of injury time were played. Leitrim kept the ball, I'd say, for the guts of two and a half minutes. Fashioned an opportunity. A brilliant block by a couple of Sligo defenders. And they went down and got the winning score. The Leitrim players were crushed. The Sligo lads were over the moon. Sligo went up. Tony McEntee and his buddy Yoshi McConville and Wicklow, two cross McGlen boys, promoted no. due to the same result. Unbelievable stuff. But lads, it was, do you know what? It was a pity this game wasn't on TV because the level of football was was brilliant. Like the condition and possibly, you know, of both teams was probably uh, one that you could look at from the outside and think that Sligo probably had the edge on Leitrim in terms of the size of the players and maybe the sheer numbers and the depth. But like Leitrim brought on a kid, Barry McNulty, 18 years old, scored a savage goal, feels a mark, an unbelievable mark about 40 yards out and puts it over the bar. And just the belief in the stadium, it was just a pity it wasn't televised and more than the 5,000 people there couldn't get a look at it. Yeah, I, I think that if you look across all the divisions, <laughs> that's probably one of the better games. Now look, all the games are going to be on next weekend. So we'll see Sligo against Wicklow and Crow Park um, and the same Division 3. We'll see Fermanagh and Cavan again and Croker as well. But like the games are on today, what Kerry Galway went, I suppose, look, as a replay of the All Ireland Finals. Mm. TG are obviously going to go with that game. But in terms of excitement, like we tipped it last week that that game in Carrick and Shannon was going to be off the charts, and particularly how it panned out. We've seen a classic fundamental tap the cup last year, all the way to penalties. And today, for, for Legion to drag it back, I'd say there was some atmosphere in those last couple of minutes, T, in there. But unbelievable. For, yeah. But to be fair to, to Tony McIntyre and Ushi McCampbell, going into Wicklow and to get yeah. them up. They are, like we tipped at the start of it, Jimmy, wasn't it? Sligo and Leitrim and maybe Leash if they got a, got the rack together under Billy Sheehan. So for Wicklow to come out of nowhere under Oshie McConville, it was surprising that he took that gig. I have to say, you're thinking, jeez, that's, to be right in the mix with Ray Dempsey for the Mayo job, 
and then to go to the completely other end of the spectrum with, with a team struggling in Division 4 what a turnaround for them over the last couple of months and like we said it last week teams to get promoted out of Division 4 is a massive boost that mm-hmm. it's it's a huge impact for football in the county so for Tony McIntyre and Sligo and for Oshie McConville and Wicklow that is a brilliant brilliant day at the office for them and you get they get the Crow Park next weekend and we, we get a look at them on TG Carr as well 100%. How was um how was Andy Moran on the sideline? Was he was doing a, a Rory Rory Kavanagh or was he was he more relaxed? Did he have a suit on? He's not no no Andy's Andy's in like Andy looks like he could be brought on with you know 10 15 minutes to go. Probably could have, like, yeah. He's he's flat out in the sideline. Um I don't want to get him in trouble now, but there was definitely a moment where a ball went over the sideline by the linesman and a Leitrim player and a Sligo player was bundled over and Andy's legs very nearly got caught in the middle of it as well. Like, he's right right close to the action and heart on the sleeve and like, had those, has those Leitrim boys playing quality football? I'm telling you, I managed to watch back the the Leash game and some of the Wicklow game in prep for going up to the game at the weekend. They play a lovely direct style to be honest, I felt like, look, at Leitrim, it was out of Leitrim's hands before last weekend. They needed a massive result against Leash and they got that in front of a home crowd. There was 5,000 people in Carrick today. It's not the first time that's happened in the last couple of years. It felt like the nerves got to Leitrim a little bit. And um, Keith Byrne, Nathan Mullen did an unbelievable job on him. He kicked some brilliant scores, but just couldn't get free. And I was actually impressed the manner in which when he wasn't free, he didn't try and force it too much. He found Donald Rin for a brilliant equalising score. And I just think the sheer numbers behind Sligo, the fact that they've got a team in a Hogan Cup final, they've won an under-20 Connacht title in the last yeah. little while. Yeah. They have players that have been exposed to the AFL in, in you know, there's three, two or three of them that have had that opportunity. That depth that Sligo have had, they've also had an extra year under Tony McEntee and I think that makes the difference. And you could just see it there. There is a buzz with both sides. Like you could see it, there's a buzz of both sides, but... Yeah, it was a pity that neither both of them were never going to go up on the same day, but you could tell they were really going for each other. And actually, Sligo have the hex on Leitrim now. You wouldn't believe it. It's 12 years since Leitrim have beaten Sligo. So it's a, it's a low base that they're coming from. But they're on, they're on the same side of the Connacht Championship. And there's a, a Absolutely. Final. And I'll put it to you this way. So that will be another massive game. When yeah. And to be honest, it isn't something I considered, but at the very end of my chat with Andy Moran, he brought it up himself. Um the scheduling and he doesn't think that the split season works. He thinks that there's too many matches back to back and there's too much pressure being put on players. And the fact that the championship is starting a week after the league ends is just not right. Um, he thinks that young elite players are being flogged and that it's going to go on and then they're going to go back to their clubs and be flogged even more in the second half of the season. So we actually called on Tom Parsons to speak out and put an end to this ahead of 2024, that there needs to be another look at the calendar, that the way it's set up now isn't right. They picked up quite a few injuries. Sligo picked up quite a few injuries. Michael Dignan was out recently and awfully speaking about the amount of injuries that have been picked up in the GA. And Andy cited back in the noughties when he was in college that there was a lot of studies done on burnout. And what are we doing now? We're just flogging players with games. And I suppose the difference is now maybe there was more training at the games and now there's, there's a lot more games. But you think of the Sligo boys playing a league final on Saturday, they're going to be flying to London on Thursday for a Connacht Championship game. Not the most ideal prep and Leitrim are going to New York. And I haven't heard much about New York this year, which would make me worry that New York are cooking something nice over there, you know? I, 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 think, you could, I think you could give a week or two after the National Leagues. Definitely. And I think you're going to see the impact of that 
in the Division 1 final next week that you've got Galway and Mayo have been outstanding throughout the spring for what could be a classic game but the reality is Mayo are playing Roscommon in the championship seven days later I do think that's somewhere, so we're not that's going to impact that game straight away there's going to be change for sure so I do think there should be a little bit of a gap there. I like the split season and I think a lot of the players, like I understand Natalie's point, particularly in the county of Leitrim where there's not as much depth and if you start getting injuries, it's a huge challenge then to try and put your best foot forward. But if teams aren't playing matches every week, they're just going to be training as hard. Do you know what I mean? We used to do with Dublin, if you're playing every three weeks, two weeks of that, you're going to be flogged and training anyway. So if it's a case of, I definitely think rolling back the start of the championship campaigns maybe even two weeks hmm. and having the All-Ireland Finals the first week of August like putting it back a couple of weeks is not going to be overly detrimental and gives that little bit of breathing space I think it, it gives a better spectacle to the end of the National Leagues that all the finals are going to be for the sake of the tournament are going to have the best teams with their best players playing that's not going to be the case now under this structure and I do think there's a little bit of breathing space there but if it's a case of do we go back to what we had before that season, I, 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 I would be wary of going back to that. I think a lot of players want to play more games as opposed to training, but maybe tweak it just so there's a little bit more gaps, in particularly at the end of the National League before you start the championship campaign. There is, the, like, the, the thing with the split season is you're still playing the same amount of games between county and club. You, you're just playing them all with the county first. Like uh, when it was the previous regime, I remember we used to play National League, right? And you go back to your club and play a full club championship, <coughs> championship, group, semi final, final in that window. It's the peak for April and peak for but August. No, that's been no, that's been moved to just after. So the games haven't been reduced; they've just been moved. And it, the interesting thing about that, though, was. You could have your your National League campaign, right? And you might be stuttering or you might be going great individually or as a team. And you could go away for a few weeks. You might find something there, form-wise, confidence-wise. You could come back a different animal into that into that camp. Whereas now, I think very much whatever teams have now, they have for championship. There's, there's nothing else they're going to, to bring to the table now. I think we've seen all the cards all the teams have. So it does it does rule that little bit out for, for a player. I think that's a fair point. Yeah. And look, I think it's something that we should, we'll talk to Andy about again. Um, I'm not necessarily, I, I don't, I'm not going to put words in his mouth. I don't think he's saying that he wants to go back to the old regime. I think Paddy's a little bit closer to what you're saying, just to give that little bit more breeding room because it is a relentless schedule. And we spoke about it with the Sigerson as well. The amount of play, the amount of games are elite players. And there's a lot of young players in the game at the minute. Um, They're only suffering from it in such a short window. Scrap, scrap the Sigerson. <laughs> you just tear up for Jimmy he'll knock it out of the park <laughs> you are listening to episode 11 of the football pod with Paddy Andrews James Donahue and myself Tommy Rooney thanks as always for listening in it is brought to you with thanks to AIB proud sponsors of the Senior Football Championship check out hashtag the toughest for more we're going to be back after this talking about some more of the action today and looking ahead to the league finals next weekend you're very welcome back to episode 11 of the Football Pod with James O'Donoghue and Paddy Andrews. Paddy, you were in Crow Park today. We've mentioned Cluxon. The football, the dubs, ran out fairly comfortable winners. A question for you before we look at the league final against Derry. Do you feel at this juncture that Loud are most likely to emerge from their side of Leinster? So they face Westmead in a quarter final, and they've got the winners of Offaly Longford or Mead in the semi-final. It's hard to know. Um, 
maybe slight favourites, but I, I think, although Westmead probably underperformed in Division 3 and that, that was a big surprise across all the divisions for them not to get promoted, I would still, I would back Westmead. I'd have the most favourites against Loud. Now, Loud are missing Samuel Roy today, um, so he's a massive loss. Like we, we, we know that's going to be the case. They, they only scored two points from play today. You felt that was going to be an Achilles heel for them. Mm. They are well organised. They're very fit. They've got very, they're very well set on their own kickouts and opposition kickouts. So all of those things that we knew Mickey Hart would bring. And that's got them to this stage where they were a game away from being promoted to Division 1. So there's incredible progress for them. There was a big loud crowd there today. There's a, there's a buzz around the county, uh, which is massive for them. They won't fear anyone on that side of the draw, most certainly. Uh, but I I think that'll be a, a brilliant game. Very like there's the same, we're talking about Cork and Clare and the Munster Championship down in Ennis. That'll be a massive game for those counties as well. But if I was to say on the face, but who do I think could come through that side? I would still, I'd have Westmead just pipping loud. There was nothing today that I've seen that, yeah, like they're organised and all that type of thing. But I just think that firepower, particularly without Sam Mulroy, we know how much of a difference he can make. But, but I'd be, I'd be, I would fancy Westmead to come through that side. Be two very like a stark difference in systems there between Westmead and Loud, isn't it? Yeah, Westmead are almost wide open at times, kicking the ball, moving pace. Loud are getting bodies back. It depends if Westmead play completely into Loud's hands in that in that kind of a game, and and Loud can hit him on the break. You know, a goal or two in a championship match there can seriously turn the whole thing upside down. The only thing with it, James, is like Westmead will be like Loud. It's so clear what Loud are doing. Like Westmead will have the next month preparing to play against the set defence. They have Jason Sherlock in there, who was a massive part of, of kind of our yeah. game plan with Dublin, developing that to play against set defences. And Westmead, the, the forwards they have, they have scores. They have scores that can hurt you. Um, so even though, like I said, we've, we've been slightly underwhelmed with them in, in the National League, I think I think it'd be a brilliant game, but, but I'd probably have them slight favourites over loud for that match. Okay. For fear of my Twitter mentions being destroyed by the week county, I'm going to sit in defence for another couple of weeks uh, on that game. <laughs> Dublin Derry then. Let's have a look at the Division 2 League Final because oh, we've, we've spoken about Cluxon coming back, Mannion getting minutes today, Jack McCaffrey, he's been out the last couple of weeks. Did yeah, we expect him to be... Today. I don't know, it's, it's hard to know because it, like it's seven days away. If he's not in the squad today, you would think it would be a big ask. To, uh, to come back in and play straight away. Dublin fans, and I think for Desi Farrell, you would be hoping he'd be available maybe for some sort of impact off the bench because the challenge they're going to face with Derry having bodies back, that penetration that Jack McCaffrey brings will be a very useful tool for Dublin to have. But I think on the plus side for the Division 2 final in comparison to the Division 1 final next Sunday, both Derry and Dublin have a couple of weeks before their big championship games kick off. So I expect Derry got the rest players today against Cork um, I expect both teams to put out a fairly strong side on both sides and they will use that I think it's a great game for both those counties to get going into the championship um, and probably more so than what we're going to see in the Division 1 game because because of Mayo's uh, calendar the following week I think the big prize in Division 2 is promotion rather than winning the final mm. whereas Division 1 the only prize is to win the final you know, unless you're out to avoid relegation if that's where you're at. But I I think that that Division 2 final isn't going to be the end of the world for either team. But what a game to have in preparation for a championship. Yeah, yeah. Like to, to have that game against each other there, to set out 
Otherwise, you're playing maybe a, a challenge match where you're rotating players. You're not getting anything out of it. A league final there against against the top four. They're probably both in the top four or five. Mm-hmm. To, to get that at that early stage is is ma- is massive, massive. Paddy, Paddy would will Gallagher do anything different given what he learned from the game in Celtic Park? I think the inhibition they showed in the first half of that game, I don't think they'll have that coming to Crow Park next Sunday. Like I, say, I thought that was a big, we spoke about it at the time, and James, you mentioned it, that it was a, it was a box ticked along the way for on Derry's journey to win that game against Dublin. And it was clear the first half of that game, there was nearly a deference from Derry towards Dublin. Sitting back, so passive, and just not what we expect from Rory Gallagher's Derry over the last number of years. Um, and then they, they paid the price for it. They were wiped in that first half. So the lessons Derry would have learned from that game is that really confidence and belief in themselves. So that, that was a massive plus for them. I think they'll be far more direct in their attack against Dublin. And next Sunday, that was a big lesson they learned. And for Dublin, we said it. It was clear. It, the, the noticeable thing today and last week against, against Meade, Dublin are looking to kick the ball a hell of a lot more. It was evident now Meade played into their hands. You could not kick the ball against Meade with the space they had. But even today, again, Dublin were, there was five or six occasions where they were putting those 50, 60 yard kick passes. And Kieran Kenny, again, kicking the ball more today than he has in the last number of seasons. Brian Fenton, he's getting the ball and you're just, you can see the first reaction, he's looking inside. And I thought their shape up front from Dublin with Killian O'Gara initially, he comes off for Paddy Small and Conor Callahan staying inside the 21. Everything we spoke about after that Derry game, Dublin's clearly seem to have learned a lesson from that. Uh, and that was against the set defence with Loud today and Dublin were yeah. still trying to kick the ball. So I think both teams, we said it at the time, will have learned lessons from that game in Celtic Park and what a, what a treat to, to get it. For, for us as spectators to watch that rematch next Sunday. And as James has said, for both sets of players and for the coaches, it is a brilliant game to get against a competing All-Ireland contender just a couple of weeks before you go into championship. Okay. I'd love, I'd love to see Derry go after Dublin's full back line as well. I want, I want to see them test it. Derry are never going to kick enough points alone against a top team, I don't think, that's going to beat them. They're going to need to get in for goal chances. They're going to have to get a few good goals, well-worked goals, backdoor cuts, kicking over the the defenders marking from the front. Like, get in, try and target that because I think that's a weakness for Dublin and I think it's got to be the way that Derry go after teams. They need to get those goals. Like last year, the Clare game, a couple of games in the other championship, they got goals at great times and they need to go back to that. Get in at that Dublin full back line will be the way that the I The only thing with it, James, and that's the interesting thing for Derry, I don't know if they'll kick the ball as much. Yeah, like their second half, they they were so direct, but it was all runners with the likes of McKinless and these guys. It was just power plays from from all over the pitch. I think Derry will do that. Whether they'll go into the realms of of keeping Shane McGuigan inside and they'll start trying these 40, 50 yard kick passes, we haven't seen that at all from Derry. So no. that will be interesting to see. Do they try it in this game, or is it a case of being direct in the the other way, but just having runners from everywhere? I, I think it would probably, probably be, more likely runners, yeah. I, I think it'd be more likely that. But I, I think it'll be a brilliant game. I, I think both games, even if Mayo do make a couple of changes to it, and Galway might as well. But I think both those games next Sunday, I think it's a brilliant day of football in Crow Park. Yeah, it'll be a cracker. James, I'm not going to ask you, are you worried about Kerry being flat? <laughs> I am going to ask you what you made of Galway today. I I am a, a big admirer of Galway at the moment. I like what they're doing. 
that game I watched it on telly. Very enjoyable game. Both sides kicking the ball. Galway more than Kerry. But Galway's ferocity in the tackle and their work rate, they were all on the same page. They know what they're doing. And in Sean Kelly, they have a serious operator. I'd love to take him down to Kerry. If you could, if you could take one fella to bring down, he just, you could, they could be under pressure at the back. They'll make a turnover and he is gone. Like the bravery, the skill level, the pace, the strength, the athleticism to get them out and he'll work a score. He'll always make the right decision. Uh, I think he's a terrific leader to have back there. Um, so I must say, I'm very impressed with, with Galway. Comer came on. He still looks, he still looks at, He's not 100% fit yet. He was taped up now today. He was kind of looking a little bit gingerly towards the end, but he got one great score and a pure Galway score, really. Shane Walsh had it out in the wing. He sends an outside of the right in onto the top of the D and it just goes over Comer's head and he gathers it and he just bulldozes past Dylan Casey and throws it over with his left for a great score, inspirational score. Um, that's probably the the little thing they were missing over the last couple of weeks was Comer's kind of um, individual inspiration scores. They have that back now. Oh, it's going to be an excellent game between Galway and Mayo. Neither side are going to want to lose that game. I know there's only a week out for Mayo, but they're not going to want to lose to their arch rivals in a, in a national final. I, I can't wait to see the teams that are named. I can't wait till the team comes out because it'll give you pure indication into McStay's thought process. Is he going to kind of put out a weakened team and say, right, look, we might lose this one to Galway. National final. You know that. You know the kick the Galway will get off that. They will be buzzing. They were buzzing when they won a National League game three weeks ago. Never mind to beat Mayo in a National League final. In Crow Park. In Crow Park. So I think, yeah, in Crow Park. I, I, I can't wait to see the teams. I think if both teams go at it, it'll be a great game. I think McStay, like, it's his first season in as well. Like, like a bit of silverware, like, national yeah. title. <laughs> like, uh, I, I, think, I, I would love to see them both go toe-to-toe because, as we've said numerous times over the last couple of weeks, they've been the best two teams by a mile in the Division yeah. 1. By a mile. And to see the two of them go toe-to-toe, I, I think Mayo... I think Mayo have to, Paddy. It's only be a weak team, but I, I think maybe maybe two or three key guys might be left out. But, but if you're McStay, like this, what a way to... He's already announced himself, obviously, as a brilliant coach for Mayo so far in the year today but like a boost they'd get off winning that as well like mm. like, uh, the culture, I think it's got to I hope they lose it look at, I'm, I'm going to put it out there right Mayo got to All-Ireland Finals in 96 and 97 they fell short Galway bet them in the first round in 98 and Madonna won that All-Ireland out of nowhere Mayo need to keep Galway down. This Galway team now are threatening to become the big dogs in Connacht. They got to an All-Ireland final last year. I don't think Mayo can afford to let Galway go in and, and get a swashbuckle and win and pick up some silver lane Crow Park and, and lay down from, you know? We, we said it last year at length. Mayo's league final approach last year did not work for them. <laughs> <laughs> like that, you don't need to go off for all ground with that one. But like the... the Boost they can get from winning this game and going into that Ross Common game to follow me. Ross Common, another good win for them today. They'll be confident. I'd say they'll be hoping Mayo go. Oh, it's a war in Crow Park next week and they they lose it's a couple a- of players. But for from a neutral point of view, to look into it, I think it would be brilliant to see Mayo and Galway at full tilt. Because like, like throughout the last two months, the style of play both those teams have, it's no surprise Galway at it again today. It's front foot football, lots of scores, They've been the, the shining lights in Division 1 for National League, so hopefully they bring it to Crow Park next Sunday. 
it's, it was a one, two, three in Connacht. Um, at the yeah, top of the don't, yeah. Don't, don't sleep on the Rossies. Year of the Connacht, I think. Mm. So, yeah. Um, can I get your predictions then for the Division One final? Galway Mayo, going to put you on the spot. I, f- I fancy Galway because yeah. I just re- I think they're they have it cracked at the moment. Whatever they're doing this year is just working for them. They're turning over big teams. They're working like dogs. That's the thing. Like their their attitude is spot on, and they can play football, and they can grind it out. And they have Shane Walsh, Damien Comer, and the affinity come back today. Scored a great point off the left. They still have Conroy to chip in. Sean Kelly at the back. I think I think they have some marquee players top of their game, playing well, well conditioned under Keane O'Neill with confidence from Joyce. I I think Galway are going to rattle the All Ireland. Never mind the. the How would Peter Cook out today, Jimmy? He's been a big plus. I didn't see. He was good. He um he was good. He was solid. He's always kind of he's he's always a a six and a half out of ten minimum, and he can like and then he can he can go to an eight or nine, but he's never gonna he's never gonna churn out a a terrible performance. He gives physicality. He competes in the air. He tackles, and he's a scoring threat. Good kick passer, but like the 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 physicality they have around the middle with Tierney, Cook, Comer was out there. Conway. John Maher was like, there today. He's back in the panel. Yeah, got two, got two from play. Like they're they're big men. You're not going to bully. You're not going to bully Galway at all. I, I think even like you say, if Comer's a little bit ginger today, just getting him back on the pitch is massive for Galway. The option he gives them. I if you look back to the open night of the National League, they probably should have won that game in Castle Bar. Um, Mayo got better steadily week on week from that day, but. Like I think Mayo may make a few changes. They'll still go reasonably strong, but I would be leaning towards Galway to win that game um, as well. And having Comer back is a massive plus. He'd be better for that game time today. Shane Walsh is obviously back. He wasn't there that open night in Castle Bar. Um, and I agree with James. Everything he said, the the depth Galway have built, the they nearly you nearly get a sense they've a score to settle. That 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 even getting to the All Ireland final last year. From the outside, we could say what what a brilliant year for, for that team to get there. But you get the sense within Galway, they're not looking at it that way. They're looking going, we've unfinished business, we left behind in all Ireland. So I I'd be leaning towards Galway to, to win that game next Sunday. Okay. I'm gonna throw Mayo into the mix there. I think Max Day is gonna go for it. I think he's gonna pick a strong team. Hopefully and I think I think he's gonna go for it because I think I think Mayo need to, I think that Mayo need to try and stop this Galway juggernaut because if that picks up a bit more momentum, they're going to be there. They're going to be tough to stop over the next couple of years. So I think Mayo um, are going to go for it. I if think you're, they're if you're Ross Common there, like, what are you doing that weekend? Kind of, it's hard to know what the what the better preparation is. You know, they're kind of sitting there. They've probably done a, a Sunday morning training session. They're going to have to watch the game. Who's getting more like a rest weekend? Is it going to do you any favors? Like they, have, they have a 40-minute yeah. training match on Saturday. Loads of meetings. They'll review the end of the game on Sunday. That'll be it. So they'll have an extra day's rest and they'll, they'll do a little bit of work. It won't be they'll have the feet up for the whole weekend, but yeah. they'll do a 40-minute A and B game, whatever it might be. Those eight, like, what are, they're not getting much out of that. I, 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 I agree. I agree. I agree. I'd rather be I agree. I agree with you. And if I was dropped for it or rested, I'd be, I'd be sickened. I, they, like if you if you look right the the Mayo Roscommon game over the height McStay was the first time he kind of changed things around and he brought Tommy Conroy, Killing O'Connor started he, he left out 
Xander Hessian, uh, Matty Ruan, and Aidan O'Shea. Like you're mm-hmm. thinking, yeah. does he rest Aidan O'Shea next week? He didn't if rest you're O'Shea, you want to play that game 100%. You want to play that game, so I think the players will be knocking on McStay's door. Like if you're, if you get a nod from McStay at training on Tuesday night and say, "Listen, we're going to rest you at the weekend." <laughs> <laughs> National final against your neighbours in Crow Park. Oh, yeah, it's man. a tricky one. I yeah. can't wait to see the teams, even though they'll bloody name a dummy team anyway. So we won't notice yeah, on the afternoon. Team will be kind of irrelevant. <laughs> well, Mayo made ten. Higgins and Andy Moore will be back for Mayo. <laughs> <laughs> We've set off a trend now in Dublin today. Clucko coming back, yeah. Yeah, well, Mayo made their 10 or 11 changes this week. So, um, you know, momentum is a funny thing. It can disappear from you very quickly. It had been such a bounce coming into this weekend. So yeah. I just does, think... Does he rest lads for two weeks in a row? That's the thing. I don't think he will. I think he'll make a strong team. Pick a strong team. Yeah, I think it's got to be... I think it's got to be a belter. I think it's going to be a belter. Okay, predictions. Dublin Derry before we get into the Division 3 and 4 finals. James, I'm going to go to you first. Because I know what Paddy's going to say. That is a tricky one. Um, Jesus, I actually haven't thought about this this prediction. Um, Paddy, who do you reckon first? I think McCaffrey will be a loss. I think you've seen it was a loss in Celtic Park. Um, Interesting. Brian Howard was on the bench today, didn't didn't come on. I would have thought Dublin would be trying to get as much minutes into him to get him into the starting team. Um, Dublin were sloppy in front of goal as well today. Um, kind of crept in a bit last week as well. But I think Mannion coming back, getting 20, he got just over 20 minutes today. Paddy Small was back as well today, which was another plus for Dublin. I think Dublin will win in Crow Park next week. It's That is a very tight game though. Because yeah. I think Derry are going to be a lot better. And Derry could rest players this week as well. So They're I, think a lot. Another, I think it'll be another brilliant game. But I'm, I'm going to go with the Dubs. It could be the game, yeah. Yeah, the fact that Derry obviously beat Dublin already this year will give him confidence. And yeah. even today, like Dublin, it took them a while to put low the way today. Like they weren't, they weren't dealing with that system effortlessly. And I think that Derry might be able to tweak a few things from the first half performance, especially in Derry. And if, and it's a big if, if they can rattle that full back line. Mm. And I'm not saying root the ball in or anything like that, but maybe a little a little diagonal outside of the boot every so often, just to keep them honest. If they're playing from the front, try and go after them, get one or two goals. And then you can kind of, you're not under pressure to kick point after point. You can kind of keep Dublin at bay then. Then Derry have a good chance. And I think that it means more, I think it's going to mean more to Derry than it is to Dublin. Um, so I I'm going to go Derry interesting yeah it's two great games lads isn't it there's going to be crackers they're yeah. both so tight like, so hard to call both of them for the National I, League to get like you're saying you're getting four like, along with Kerry they're probably the, the top five teams in the country is that fair to say yeah spot on probably so yeah, according so. to Tommy's power rankings <laughs> does that match your power rankings or do you have Loud and Boom no Loud Loud and sixth I'd Loud number two no many jump yeah I think yeah I think you're right uh, for the record I'm going to go for Dublin I think Dublin need to get a bit of um, a bit of a bounce in now I just think they need that I think they actually their performances in Crow Park against Kildare they kind of stuttered against Clare they kind of stuttered um, they obviously put Loud away today and I think they'll 
there'll be a bit of a bite in Dublin after that defeat to Derry. I think that might have stung a little bit that bus home. So I think it'll be a cracker as well. And I think Dublin alleged it. So be, we'll keep an eye out for it. I, I didn't actually clock up uh, the predictions from last week. I don't think anyone got a clean sweep. Paddy, you called all the home teams the first time around. So Mayo, Mayo definitely let, let you down. down. Mayo always let me yeah. down. And James, you called Kildare, didn't you? And Paddy, I think you called me. I called Kildare as well. That's the one oh, I can remember. What in God's name? I must have been drunk back at me. <laughs> yeah, I thought I thought so as well. Division one was out. Dubs. Tyrone, I backed. You got three out of four. I think I backed. I backed Kerry as well to be Galway. So Michael James the back against Kerry. Not bad. I'll take three out of four. Not bad. Yeah, James, you got to work on the predictions, man. And. Yeah, Division 3 for Mana. I think we all predicted for Mana to get up one way or another. So, this is a um, bad lads, yeah. Yeah, I actually thought Kevin would beat for Mana and Down would beat Offaly, so for Mana would still go up, but for Mana got the win. Um, well, I knew all those results would happen. Yeah, you nailed it, boy. <laughs> We've that had was... worse weeks. We've had worse weeks on the predictions. <laughs> Thank God the National League is nearly finished. Certainly. Um, Kevin made a couple of changes, but not too many for the game today. Maybe the fact that they were already true and last week they were essentially... Um, Essentially, already true as well. They've kind of let the the wind out of the sails a wee bit. They're facing Fermanagh in Crow Park. Cavan, you probably want to be in the habit of winning those games. They lost the Talchin Cup final last year. Do you think Cavan will yeah. be targeting this win against Fermanagh this weekend in Crow Park? Yeah, I think Cavan will win that Saturday evening. I, I agree. I, I think they you could see, they were disappointed to lose that Talchin Cup final to Westmead last year. Um, Gallagher sending off obviously kind of turns it at just a crucial moment down the stretch um, I think Cavan the fact that they're able to rest a couple of guys today Mikey Graham they've been the best team in Division 3 um, even though it's for man at top the table um, I think Cavan will be going to win that one next weekend and set them up for a right tilt at more than likely Armand the Ulster Championship so yeah, yeah I, I'm, I'm agreed I think even the experience of Crow Park there from from last year you know, yeah. familiar surroundings, whereas for men are going in, probably haven't played there. When was the last time for men to play Crow Park? Uh, probably when Sean Quigley put Cluxon over the line, wasn't it? 15. Oh, he was playing that day. That shows how uh, that I'm sure they've played. I'm sure they've played since. That was just the one that came to mind. But yeah. We just be killed there. I dislocated my shoulder that day, actually. Jesus. Uh, yeah, Jimmy, the beginning of the end, was it? <laughs> you, James, there's a... There's a great photo of you. It's an awful photo. You were absolutely devastated. You must have just been sick to the death of injuries at that stage. You were plagued around then. 15. Yeah. Yeah, he was. He I, was. I, I just, I oh, no, yeah, 15. Yeah, I was going around the goal, the Kildare keeper. We played the quarterfinals. We got seven goals against Kildare. Yeah, Gooch it was got before two. us. We were yeah. playing for nine after us. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he must have been, yeah. I was going around the goalie and he, I, I took a shot and I skidded on the wet surface, put out my arm and I just went like that. I fell all my weight on my arm and the shoulder just popped out under my armpit. I was like, ah, but you, oh, you, you were back for the final against us. I played the semi against Tyrone, yeah. But you were good against us in the final in the rain as well. That was that was only what six weeks bad, later. Bad weather that season, yeah. Yeah, no, I came back for came back for Tyrone semi final. But um, yeah, I remember oh, that we watched we watched that game in the in the pub in Fermanagh. That is mad. It's just it's the things you remember is mad, isn't it? Just <laughs> glory days, Jimmy. Glory days. You were in trouble for a while in that game, I didn't agree. You won my 100 points. <laughs> <laughs> we were in trouble. Get the fucking ball. The is refing got you over the line. What <laughs> <laughs> <Not> a man. <laughs> yeah, anyway. so Kevin did make, Kevin made a raft of changes. Um, 
but Fermanagh, like, like we might just get talking about the US Championship in a couple of minutes. Like, Mead are, I'd say Mead are on their way into the Tatchin Cup because Fermanagh, Cavan in good form, down in good form, even though they didn't go up. I'm just going to park it now on Donegal because we didn't even talk about what happened in Donegal this week. No, Paddy no. Carr. Plenty of time on that. Paddy Carr stepping down. Um, Aidan O'Rourke came out afterwards today speaking to the press and said that Paddy actually asked him to stay in charge of the team. Um, he didn't confirm whether he would take them into the championship. He said he was going to manage them up to today. Um, we we haven't heard. There's the word that we'll, we'll hear more from the Donegal camp in a couple of days. In disarray in the county, they're split. You're seeing on Twitter ex-players on one side of the coin and you know, having bites on the other side of the coin. And uh, it's just very messy at the minute up there. They obviously relegated today, was confirmed. They were essentially relegated last week as good as. It was released in a special committee meeting on Thursday night. The media weren't allowed in, so this actually came out um, afterwards off the record. But it was released that three Donegal players met Paddy Carr and said that they weren't happy with him as manager anymore. And they asked that he step down. So, um, Paddy stepped down. Player said it to Paddy Carr. Yeah, Paddy McBurty, Hugh McFadden, and Owen Bond Gallagher. It's not a good situation to be in, is it? It's tough. It's, it's tough. Very tough situation. Yeah, but I mean, they, yeah, they haven't had a good. They haven't had a good league. Obviously, they don't look the same. It's hard. It's hard to know what the right thing is. The only thing is, when the management leaves. Is it not a better clean break for for them all to go rather than for to leave the two lads in charge without the the manager? That's messy. I, yeah. It is. That is messy. It's hard to know what they'll do. Obviously, they haven't decided yet whether they'll take them, but the chances are that the two lads will take them into championship. Well, O'Rourke was speaking afterwards, and he says he, he really has to think about it because this is what he signed up for. He signed up well, to be a part of a management ticket, and it was Paddy Carr who asked them to take charge. Um, but how could the players say, right, yeah. we're happy with you. Yeah. yeah. To go. yeah. <laughs> I don't know. There's, there's a lot, I suppose. Yeah. I suppose there's a lot we is don't know. Is there a bit of a WhatsApp situation. group? Is that definitely true, it is? Is what definitely true? About the, the three boys? Yeah, with the county board released it at that special committee meeting. Same way that they released that Jim McGuinness. They're uh, playing to the county board to find a stormer there. <laughs> they're releasing some serious information. Oh, everyone like. under the bus, like. They're throwing people, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Themselves. Love about us. What about those guys? <laughs> <laughs> what about him? He right yeah, after yeah. Let me tell you something there. Pull yeah. up a still. We're flying up, but Paddy Carr. Oh, it's out. a sad situation. So that's Donegal. Definitely entering their clash against Down uh, with, you know. You called it today. You called it months ago. Months ago, boys, and I've gone looking to put odds. And well, uh, is, can't that, get is that in? Is that game in Uri or is it Clonus or is it Valley Buffets? Or where is it? I think it's in Uri, but I have to double check it here. Um, but they already got a fancy that one. Yeah. So, uh, Kevin from Anna, call it. Kevin. Yeah, Kevin. Gonna go for the underdog. Which oh, is too. You're just dancing. I think I'm gonna go for the underdog. Am I? No, I think Cavan are going to have too much for Fermanagh this week. So I'm going to, I'm going to back to clean sweep. Um, Sligo and Wicklow in the Division 4 final. I had the, uh, I suppose, the pleasure of watching Sligo today in action. Conor McFadden and Paul Papadurkin on the backroom team for um, for Tony McEntee and Sligo to mention Donegal yeah. ex-players that are, you know, thriving at inter-county level. So uh, 
Yeah, Sligo are in good shape, lads. I fancy Sligo to win that. I think it's brilliant for, for Wicklow and Oshie McConville, but I think Sligo, Sligo were lucky in the Delta Cup last year as well. Remember, they had a lot of goal chances in that semi-final. Um, I expect them to win that game next week. Yeah, I agree. Great, unreal for Wicklow to get up. Great achievement. And that will be so important in their development. Yeah. But I think that, I think they'll lose the final just. But great experience again to get into Crow Park in a final. That, that another step along the, along the way but I, I don't fancy him this weekend okay okay that's that's the predictions this week and that is essentially all we're doing this week on episode 11 of the football pod there's one story I want to end on an intercounty team today felt the need to go on strike the Cavan ladies footballers didn't fulfil their fixture against Tyrone to make a long story short they're not getting the expenses that were promised to them at the start of the year and to quote Lauren McVitie who was speaking alongside our captain Nasser Bird and Ashley Sheridan on the We Are Cavan podcast during the week. She said, we're not looking for equality here. We're looking for the bare minimum. Essentially, what they're looking for is that their Dublin-based players, I think they have the guts of 18 to 20 players, young players around students um, that aren't necessarily working, they, they get expenses, not even what the, the male counterparts get, but that they would get €30 Euro each on a Tuesday for driving down the road, whoever drives down for fuel expenses. And a charter was signed alongside the GPA and the county board at the start of the year. That hasn't been followed through on. There were seven or eight other issues as well that went in with gear and a couple of other things. But the expenses issue and the fact that these players cannot make it down the road for training is what's hurting Cavan. And they actually said that their own manager uh, paid for a bus one week for the players to come down the road out of his own pocket. And they actually also said that selectors were given um, players the price of fuel after training themselves out of their own pockets so it's a it's a sad situation I and mean, when they did the maths it turned out that all they needed to raise was about five grand that's all they need to be able to pay those 20 players for 35 weeks to go down the road they offered to do a fundraising uh, campaign and the county board for whatever reason said that that would not happen we haven't heard comment from the county board yet over what the situation is so we'll wait and see what they have to say but the fact that a team felt the need to go on strike is not a good sign. I read it t- today and, and for them, there's an agreement made at the start of the season between all parties to get this show on the road. And obviously that's been reneged on. And we see the expenses is one aspect of it. I read through it. There's, there's a couple of other things as well. And as, as the girls have obviously said, they're not looking for the moon and the stars here. They're just looking to to have a minimum set of standards so they can go out and compete and represent Cavan. So you never like seeing this um, when players feel the need that this is like a last resort nearly. And I'm sure that would have been a very difficult decision for all of them in, in the group as well. So look, it's similar to what we're talking about, Donegal, their situation, that this needs to be sorted out quickly because it's it's not a good look for, for Cavan GAA to have their, their standout, their ladies team, feeling the need that, that, that they have to go on strike. So... Um, they should be getting looked after and whatever was agreed at the start of the season should be followed through on. this. The commitment that's going in f- from those girls to represent Cavan, that should be honoured by by anyone who, who who's looking to support the team. So hopefully that is rectified pretty quickly. Uh, like I say, it's a drastic move to have to actually call off a game and, and go on strike. So I'm sure the Cavan County Board, it's a very proud football county that they will they'll come to some sort of agreement over the next couple of days and, and get the team back out playing again. But even the like the pride that those girls must feel to play for their county, to, to actually have to go as far as say, we're not playing because you've been disrespected so much is it, sad in a way, do you know, isn't it? Like it's it's not fair on them. Like I'm sure they, 
they'd go to any length to not have to do that. But when you're being disrespectful like that, you have to take a stand at some stage. So, yeah, well, hundred percent. It's a story that's well worth keeping an eye on. It's obviously going to blow up now. The GPA are going to have to step in. Cavan County Board are going to have to come out. The Ladies County Board are going to have to come out and make a statement now and try and find a resolution here. So we'll keep an eye on that. I would recommend going back and listening to the three footballers, um, NASA, Lauren and Ashley, speaking about this on the We Are Cavan podcast. Go and have a listen to it and you'll understand where they're coming from. Paddy and James, great to chat to you. Next week, we'll be recapping on the league finals and immediately turning our attention to the championship. Whoa, it's getting busy, boys. <laughs> Who's making her comeback next week, lads? Who's next after this? <laughs> Not you two. Well, I'm keeping oh, me going never on. Know. You never know. Chance, coach. <laughs> Desi brings me back. I'm going to have to. Oh, lads. I'm just going to throw that out there. I would love to Never say never. Yeah, okay. Well, McConville's still doing his media duties, so you can probably get to, still keep it up now. Yeah, all right. Okay. <laughs> James, Paddy, enjoyed that. Thank you. Cheers, Tom. See you, Paddy.